Welcome to the Readerly Report, a podcast of Readerly Magazine. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, so welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Gail and I are reporting our most disturbing reads. Yes. But before we get into disturbing reads, I have to tell you my exciting book news from today. Okay. Which is that I went to go hear Andrew McCarthy read from his new YA book at Politics and Prose this afternoon. It was very interesting. It was probably more about Andrew McCarthy than about his new book. Well, no, maybe half and half. And so he, you know, is like Mr. Brat Pack, and then he became a travel writer, and he wrote a travel memoir last year or a couple years ago, and this is his first novel. And he says he started it as an adult fiction book, and um, he sort of re had this, like, epiphany and then rewrote it from the perspective of the 15-year-old protagonist. And um, it sounds kind of good, and I bought it, and I'm kind of excited to read it. I think I remember, I remember hearing about that or seeing a clip somewhere about how he struggled in order to find that voice, and then I guess a different one came to him. Yes. I think he had been working on it for quite some time. Yes, I think you're exactly right. If He had been working on it for like seven or eight years, and then he decided to, uh, you know, then he was like got on a plane one day, and he like sort of started writing it from the perspective of the girl, and he, I guess it, it flowed much faster. But it was really cool, and I was sitting really close up and got some good pictures, and met him afterwards oh good and he and I have the same birthday and I told him that and that was exciting (laughs) (laughs) did you go alone did you go with your well I guess your girls wouldn't know anything about Andrew McCarthy no they didn't care I no, I went by myself I sort of snuck out like in the middle of my daughter's softball game and went (laughs) went to the bookstore (laughs) um actually I told her beforehand what I was doing but yeah it was fun it was fun I'm glad I went Okay, well, that's good. At least there won't be any stories later on about mom. You were never around because you snuck out to see Andrew McCarthy. Exactly, I was above board. Anyway, that's my exciting book-related news for for today. And you? I don't have any exciting book news like that. It was a beautiful day today, so I had some walk around the neighborhood, eat good food kind of a day. That was exciting for me, though. So oh, good. So I'm excited. It's time to it's time to read and drink outside. Yep. All right, now we can talk about really disturbing things. Okay. So I can imagine that we both have different ideas of what really disturbing things are. So we came up with this idea. I think we were talking about the most disturbing books that we have ever read. And the place to start this conversation is what what things scare you or what things do you find disturbing because I think scary and disturbing are slightly different uh I think that's right I think that's right so since we're going for disturbing right well I would say the three books I've chosen are equally scary and disturbing to me I guess I don't know the difference between the two I mean it so they're representative of of things that are scary and disturbing yes although they're not going to be I mean, I, it's, it's, there's sort of a self-selecting list because I avoid horror. I avoid, like, supernatural. I mean, I, I, I'm already selecting from a narrower band of books than perhaps, you know, other people might be. So, And I think that's just what I'm trying to clarify, what I'm trying to clarify for our listeners because, 
yes, as Gail said, we are we are selecting from a very narrow band because I'm not a big horror person either. So I have a feeling that our disturbing falls into more realistic disturbing. Correct. So why don't you jump in with the first one of your most disturbing books? Okay, so I have three. I'm going to save the most disturbing for last. I'll start with one that's sort of like more classically scary, thrillery than the other two. And it is Behind Closed Doors, which is, I think, what started this whole conversation between the two of us. This is by an author named B.A. Paris, and it came out last year, and I obviously read it last year. And it is the story of this very sick man who sort of tricks this woman into marrying him, and then their marriage, which from the outside looks idyllic and wonderful, is like a horror show behind closed doors. Did you read this one? I didn't. You did not. Okay. I think you scared you scared me away. From I scared it. you. So I was like so tense reading this book. I would feel like my heart racing, and I'd feel so like d- uncomfortable and tense and upset. And I was like, "Why is this fun? Like, why is this pleasurable?" And I think for some people that is like they like that. They like that feeling of like I'm just completely scared out of my mind. But I well, felt- I think that's the thing with the the horror, you know, like, you know, when you read har- a good scary book, I think that that's what. Okay, so obviously we're not thrill seekers, right? <laughs> right, no, not at all, not at all. So I mean, I yeah. So I mean, I guess people there get a real thrill out of that. And for me, I was just like, wow, this is very uncomfortable. As like the sense of foreboding and doom like ratchets up and you know she's losing all of her freedom and her options and then there's you know he has this leverage over her having to do with her sister and that just starts to get more and more like terrifying and you know I don't know it was was what I was so glad it was done I I sped through it because I couldn't you can't read that book slowly and I mean I don't know how realistic it is but it was it was very it was very very disturbing well, it sounds like it kept you in the mindset. It did, for sure. I just, I didn't, I didn't find it enjoyable. Like, I just did not like that feeling I had of, I, I, the other two books I'm going to talk about were equally disturbing, but I think that I found enough merit in the other parts of the book, or books, that made it worth it to sort of live through that discomfort. Whereas this one, it was like, it was like a roller coaster. It was like, there's no reason for it other than, to thrill and scare you. Right. So if you don't enjoy, I guess, abusive relationships that are somewhat realistic, right? <laughs> you don't enjoy that kind of tension, then maybe you should steer clear. Yes. Steer clear. Were there mind games in particular, I wonder, that were disturbing? Yes. I mean, this guy is like basically holding this woman prisoner. Right. And it's more... The abuse is more emotional than physical. I read... It's Leopard at the Door by, I think her name is Jennifer McVeigh. This is not one of my three books, but I think it's a book that I found disturbing in the way that you found this disturbing. It's about a woman who returns. She's sent away to school in England, and she returns to home. And I can't remember the African country where she's at. I'll try to think of that and put it in the show notes. But she returns home, and there in process of having an uprising and she's kind of attracted to one of the servants who has worked with with her family over the years 
so they have this this interracial intercultural relationship that's just kind of tense because of the background that it's set against and you know there's this vile guy so there's this threat of sexual violence and I just found it so disturbing I mean it was well written and it was a good book but it was also one that it's hard for me to say I haven't recommended it to anyone because I just found the tension and the atmosphere and just I guess the sense of menace was just so disturbing to me oof that sounds that sounds difficult. I definitely see where you're coming from. All right. Well, so what are the ones that what are the ones that you chose? Okay, so one of the ones that I chose was called is called Among the Thugs, and it's the experience and seduction of crowd violence. Um, it was written by Bill Buford back in 1990, and I read this book probably around 2010. It was came to my attention as part of I think Time magazine had a list of their the best books of the century or something like that. It's basically about hooliganism and soccer violence, mainly in the UK. I mean, so it's about this guy who Bill Buford is the journalist who embeds himself in these with these groups of soccer fans and gets into their heads and travels with them, goes to the games with them to get a sense of the violence that goes on there. And you just find out these men just, they love this violence, this culture, you know, going up, inciting riots. It just seems like such an unsafe way to live. And it's like these men looked forward to doing this every weekend. And he talks a lot about crowd control and the ability to incite a crowd to violence that is not even inclined to violence by itself. So it's just kind of all of these interesting psychosocial things and just being in these really tense situations where, of course, I'm thinking of it as my perspective, from my perspective as someone who, as a spectator, wants to enjoy the game without being caught up in the midst of any intense rivalries. These, the soccer rivalries are really intense, or I guess I should say football rivalries. So one of the interesting things about this is that when I kind of looked up the notes for this book, I came across an article and it was talking about how someone recommended this book to President Obama as being an excellent book to get into the mind of terrorists because Essentially, that's what you're reading about, people who go and hold these games hostage and just the vile kind of fights that they pick and the violence and the, and the injuries that ensue. It's just, it's just crazy. So I was not surprised to hear that this book could be considered as something that's sort of a primer into understanding terrorist tactics. Hmm. That sounds interesting and disturbing. Yeah, one of the most <laughs> frightening things I've read. I'm sure. <laughs> to this day, you know, I think I'd go to a, an American football game before I would go to European football game. Wow. I just, I mean, they, it's been improving, but, but still. Yeah, yeah. TV's fine for me. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, can you imagine going to a Washington Nationals game and being caught in like... No, I wouldn't go. I mean, that just sounds horrifying. You know, beer bottles and clubs and people losing limbs, people being crushed in the streets, you know, death. No, I mean, it just sounds, it sounds inhumane. And like you're saying about people who 
lose their rationality and sense of humanity for no reason other than just to incite violence. That just sounds horrible. Um, okay, so my number two is not an, uh, an unknown book. It's Room by Emma Donahue. For people who don't know what Room is, it's about a woman who is kidnapped as a teenager and held captive by her sadistic captor for, um, I don't know how many, 10 years or something. And while she's in captivity, she has a kid and she raises this boy to be about five years old, five or six years old, um, in this tiny shed in the back of this guy's backyard. In the middle of it, she attempts an escape. And I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying that they survive the escape and end up getting rescued. Um, and I knew that going in, and it was still such a terrifying book to read. I mean, that the section that describes the escape is as tense as I can ever remember reading while reading a book, including the book that I just talked about five minutes ago. And it's it's just such a it's such a difficult subject and such a painful subject, but it's so beautifully written and so creative. This world that Emma Donahue dreams up for these people and how they deal with it, how they handle it, and then what life is like for them when they get out. I think she handles it so well. And it was just such a I mean, yeah, a difficult book. And I know a lot of people who say, Oh, I, I know what that book's about, I won't read it. Now I understand that, you know, that's, if you feel like it's not something you can handle, I get that. But I do think that people who categorize it or dismiss it just by that description are missing out on a really wonderful book. And, um, I, I saw the movie and I knew what was coming in the movie. I knew exactly what was going to happen. And I still had a very hard time watching it because I was so tense. That one scene where the boy is in the back of that truck. Have you read it? Haven't you? Or you've not read it? No, I was one of those people. You're one of those people. I get it. I get that. But I will say, if you ever decide to take the plunge, I think it's worth it. And I think she's a very gifted writer. It's the only thing I've read by her. I started another book by her called Frog Music, and I did not like it. And I didn't finish it. Yeah, I don't know. I think one of it, one of my triggery kind of books is books where people's purse. I don't like people... I don't like books about people whose personal freedom is being infringed upon like that, like day in, day out mm-hmm. kind of thing. It just, no matter what else I might get out of that, I could get it from somewhere else. And I just don't, it's not a headspace I want to be in. Mm-hmm. I get that. I absolutely get that. But it sounds like if you can venture there, I mean, Room has done amazingly well. It's like launch careers. It's an Oscar nominated an Oscar-winning movie. Yep, yep. And for the actress. Yep, who for played. Brie Larson. And well-deserved. Well-deserved. I thought she I thought she deserved to win that. I thought she did a great job. So you think they did a great job with the movie? I do, I do. I think they did an excellent job with the movie. Um, and, I mean, I read, the, I read the book many years before I watched the movie, so the movie is in some ways more fresh in my mind. And I think that if I went back and read the book again, it would sort of, you know, I'd start to see some differences between the book and the movie. But I did think they did a good job, and I thought Brie Larson did a good job. And I know that Emma Donahue, I think she did the adapted screenplay, which it shows that she remained faithful to her book. 
Yeah, I mean, it's an incredibly disturbing movie. The whole thing, everything about it, like you're talking about that lack of personal freedom, that's part of Behind Closed Doors too. If you feel suffocated, you feel completely, you know, physically uncomfortable because of that that sense of um, captivity. But I don't know, really good book, really has stayed with me. And, you know, I, I don't know how I could make a list of disturbing books that that was not on. <laughs> What's your number two? In that vein, I have a book. I talked about it, I believe, last fall. It was a book that I read over the summer. Actually, Gail, I was reading that when I was down visiting you in D.C. It's called All Is Not Forgotten by Wendy Walker. Oh, yes. So it's about a lot of things, but I guess the basic premise is teenage girl is brutally assaulted and raped in her neighborhood, and her parents opt to give her this drug which will erase the memories of the night. So she doesn't remember what happens to her. She knows that something, you know, she knows what happens to her, but she has no memory of it. So one of the issues it deals with is whether that is indeed helpful to have, to erase someone's memory of a traumatic event. You know, is that helpful in dealing with this? Is it not helpful in dealing with this? So the book kind of explores that premise, but it also explores just the family dynamics and there's a counselor involved. I think the most disturbing thing that I walked away from this book was just in terms of how readily we trust certain people and for what reasons we do. It's a book I really can't talk too much without giving aspects away. It's kind of a book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you just have to see it unfold. But yes, one of the disturbing aspects for me, I mean, it's in terms of her parents making that decision without discussing it with her. I don't believe she is conscious when they make the decision to administer this drug and and all the ramifications it has. But we all live in this world together, and trust trust is a big thing. But a huge part of this book is who we trust and why. And the reasons that we give our trust away so easily, are they valid? Hmm. I remember you telling me about this book when you were when you were here. There are some there's some graphic parts in there. There is therapy that she goes through in order to I mean there's still fallout from this night. Even if you don't remember the night, you know what happened. You know, there's ramifications with your family, with your friends. It explores how her mother reacts to it as opposed to how her father reacts to it and just trying to fit into this family again with no memory of what's happened, even though you have been told what's happened. So just a lot of really interesting dynamics. Like I said, there are some very graphic parts of it. When I tell people that it's a good book and they should give it a shot, much like you're saying about Room, just like, just kind of skip those those pages. Mm-hmm. My last book is really interesting because I look at when it came out, and it came out in June of 2008. I li- it was probably one of the first books that I've listened to on audio. What's it called? The Monster of Florence? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so disturbing. So disturbing. Slept with the lights on. (laughs) Oh my God. For a few days. So it's about this serial killer that's loose in Florence in Italy. It's not even like it's a recent crime. In fact, when I was reading up on this book, this case was one of the, I guess, um, one of the characters on which Hannibal Lecter or The Silence of the Lambs, those movies are based on. So you can imagine those are pretty gruesome murders. And 
The interesting thing about this book is that Douglas Preston, who is an author, he writes the Lincoln Child and Douglas Preston books. So he kind of writes about, he's a, he writes detective stories with a partner. And this was his nonfiction book about when he had moved to Italy and heard about these murders and kind of became involved in the, best, in the investigation. So the first part is all about just giving background on the murders and where they happened in the neighborhood. I think the terrifying part about this book, the legal system in Italy and how complicated it was and how there was just all these crazy theories. They thought maybe it was like a satanic cult and they were just going down these avenues that seemed to be inexplicable, blaming the wrong people. At one point, Douglas Preston was actually a suspect in the murders or whatever. I guess they thought he was paying too much attention. And it reminded me a lot of how, who who was the young woman who was accused of murder in Italy? Is that Amanda Knox? Right, Amanda Knox. And there was like such, such bizarre goings on around that case and the legal system in, in Italy. So it reminded me a lot of that. Yeah, it So besides like it. the terrifying murders, the police not getting it right, there was just this sense of menace and creepiness that I found really disturbing. And some of the descriptions of the crime scenes and, and the speculations of what was happening at this time were pretty bizarre and, or just disturbing. Mm, that sounds awful. I mean, not an awful book, but an awful situation. Right. So definitely the lights were on. And I also think it it was probably the narration that added to it because I think they they it was narrated by someone who was familiar with Italian so there was all these Italian pronunciations and it was just so dramatically delivered <laughs> you know that I'm, I'm practically looking over my shoulder for who's going to jump out of the shadows or something oof awful I probably would not have been as scared if I had read it yeah that sounds pretty bad all right so Going to wrap up Disturbia for us? Yes. Okay, the most disturbing book I've ever read in my whole life, and probably will ever read in my whole life, is We Need to Talk About Kevin by Lionel Shriver. And it is about uh, a woman telling the story of her son, with whom she never connected, who had a lot of issues, who ends up basically shooting up his high school and killing a whole bunch of people. And it is told by her after the fact. And it is just honestly the scariest thing as a parent that you can imagine. You know, your child does this horrible thing and you spend the rest of your life wondering, is it your fault? Could you have prevented it? Why did they do it? Were they getting back at me? And it's just... Could she have loved him more? Could she have loved him more? Could she have been a better parent? You know, it and, it and it sort of lays bare, like, all of her failings as a mother, failings as a wife. It's just, oh, my God. It's just so disturbing. I have a friend, and we always talk about the fact that we each, like, think about this book at least, like, multiple times a week. I mean, I must have read it, I, I don't know, eight years ago? But it, this book is never far from my mind. And, um... She's one of my favorite authors. She's an amazing, amazing writer. She's just, uh, there are very few people who in my mind compare with Lionel Shriver as a writer. This book just, it's just terrifying. And like you said, this we're not talking about a horror. It's, it's very realistic. I mean, 
if you talk, you hear Lionel Shriver speak about it, she based it on a number of shootings. She based it on Columbine, and she you know read a lot about school shootings, and all of the stuff in there is very plausible, and it could happen, and it has happened. Just hearing the perspective of the parent and the you know the truly evil things that this boy did without giving away too much because it's more than just the school shootings. And it's, uh, it, I don't know, really, really terrifying book. I, I, you have not read this one, am I right? No, I've read it. Oh, you have read it. Okay, so what do you think? I mean, there's pretty much nothing that I can add to what you're saying. I really do think that she looked at all of those angles really well in terms of how a parent could feel. Who can imagine something like this? But in terms of coming close, I, I would imagine that she does. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, it's, it's more than just him killing. It, it's more than about the school shooting. It's about the dynamics of the family, the relationship that she has with her husband. It's just so well explored and so disturbing. Yeah. Agreed. All right. So I feel like we need to end on a lighter note. <laughs> yes, I think so. We're, re- we're recording in the evening and I'm going to be going to bed soon. And I, yeah, we don't want you sleeping with the light on. I don't know that these are the particular books that I want on my mind as I close my eyes tonight. So Gil, what are you reading right now? Okay. Uh, Nicole, I have like this embarrassment of riches right now. Like all these books, first of all, all these books I hadn't hold at the library I all came in. And then a bunch of books that, like, I wanted, like, review copies are here. And I feel like I'm, like, in this panic because, like, half these books are going to be due back at the library really soon. And I really want to read all of them. And I just came off of a big family event last weekend. And I, I the, really the first quarter of this year, like, I read very little. So I'm trying to, like, get back and do it really fast. But right now I'm reading, um, did I mention this on our last podcast? I'm reading Perfect Little World. Did we talk about this at all? No. Okay, so this is, um, oh, what is his name? He wrote um, The Family Fang, Kevin Wilson. And this is a book about this sort of experimental family living setup where people, parents who are about to have a baby, like they move into this big complex together and they raise their kids as a group rather than individually so that for the first five years of the kids' lives, they don't know who their biological parents are. They just know that they're part of this big group. And if it sounds heavy, it isn't. It's actually, like, funny and interesting and and insightful. And I'm about halfway through. And it's narrated by my favorite narrator, Therese um, Plummer, who I love. So um, it's just, I don't know, it's really good. So I'm doing that one on audio. And then I'm reading this book called The Secret Daughter, which was it's by an Indian writer. Mm-hmm. I don't know, sort of bestsellery, it feels like. Like, it came out maybe a couple years ago. Yep, I've heard of it. Yeah, I don't know. Someone blogged about it. Once. I thought it sounded good, so I got it from the library, and I'm just reading that right now. So I, I want it, it's good, but I kind of want to finish that so I can move on to, like, one of these highly sought-after books that are in my house that I feel like if I don't start them soon, I'm going to explode. <laughs> okay, so what? What? give us some titles. like this. Oh, The Arrangement. Which is Sarah Dunn. Oh, okay. Which came in. I think you mentioned that you had it. You're going to give it to your mom. Um, right. I, You'll, or you can tell me now if it's super light. Okay. Yep. I will let you know when I start it. Um, if, it if there's too much humor. Okay. Yeah. If it's too light for you and you and, and you don't think you can handle it. Um, I just got the audio to our short history, which is the new Lauren Grodstein, 
which I okay. really wanted to read. I think we may have talked about that one in the last podcast. So that's sitting here. Then I just got the new Catherine Heine. I read her short stories last year, and she has a novel out now. And that's sitting right here. And I just, like, I need to read all three of those, like, tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Yes. An embarrassment of riches indeed. Yes. When it rains, it pours. Exactly. It's pouring. April showers. Um, <laughs> how about you? What are you reading right now? Okay, so right now I'm reading it's a book called The Animators. It came out probably the beginning of February. It's by Kayla Ray Whitaker. And it's about these two friends. Um, they've been friends since art school. And they basically form a partnership where they write comic books. And the story be- story basically begins when they've just written this really acclaimed comic. They've just gotten this big grant for you know over a quarter of a million dollars. And cracks start to show up in their relationships. And one of the friends is sitting on a pretty big secret. So I'm in the middle of reading that right now, and the writing is really good. I'm really enjoying it. It's one of those um, deep explorations of friendship and your past and family and how all of those things meld together and can kind of, you know, how some of the trauma that you carry can just blow up at your in your face. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I think you'd really like it. I'm also reading The Whole Art of Detection. Lost Mysteries of Sherlock Holmes by Lindsay Fay. Like, I really love Lindsay Fay's writing. She really gets time period of old New York, old England. She is a big fan of Sherlock Holmes, and so she has written this book of short stories. It's basically from, I guess, uh, Watson is going over some cases before he and Holmes met. There is one story that I'm reading in the middle of reading right now that's kind of Sherlock Holmes's. Uh, diary as he's working on a case and his reaction to Watson writing about his stories and she's covering some stories from different points in their relationship you know when they're older and in the middle of their relationship and they're just she does a good job with them they're really charming and I'm enjoying reading that collection as I'm reading some heavier stuff one book that I want to mention it was so good it's called erotic stories for Punjabi widows and it's by Ooh, Bali I've heard of that. Or Jaswal. It's so good. I've heard that is good. Yes. It re- I really enjoyed it and they did it it's both serious and light at the same time. It's a bunch of it's about this young woman whose sister is considering an arranged marriage and she's kind of like, What are you thinking? And she is the one who's trying to strike out from her family. So she's moved out to her for her own apartment and she needs to find another source of income. So she starts she says that she will teach this class she's expecting to teach a creative writing class to a bunch of Punjabi widows who um, are coming to essentially a community center but she's sort of tricked so when the women get to the class they don't know how to they think that they're signing up to learn how to write like read and write Mm -hmm. and so they start to tell stories like she's they start to tell stories about their lives and there are some things going on in the community. Like there's some intrigue about a death that's happened in the community. And it seems like these women might know something about that. So our teacher is sort of investigating, you know, as she's drawing these women's stories from them. And it was really, really good. They cover some hot topics in terms of 
I guess male-female relationships within the community and wanting to strike out and be more independent and adhering to traditional, more traditional ways of life and honor killings. So it was just amazing how much information you get about the culture and just the way she so deftly talks about two of these two opposite things and brings humor to the situation, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's really good. Yeah, I definitely read about that. It looked it looked like a good book. So, okay, so now I feel, I feel better now. Okay, and on a positive. Right. Books we're enjoying <laughs> and that are not keeping us up at night. Right. Right. I mean, I guess an honor killing, the investigation of a possible honor killing is not particularly upbeat, but, you know, the book was just so well done. And uh, while they're dealing with serious topics, there was such humor and warmth with these women. It was It was great. Well, good. I'm glad that you're liking it. And uh, when next we talk, we'll have to touch base and see what else is, you know, what we've gotten through on this list of the stuff that we're excited about. Until next time. All right. Happy reading. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Readerly Podcast. You can find issues of Readerly at readerlymag.com. And you can find me, Gail, blogging at Every Day I Write the Book, which is at everydayiwritethebookblog.com. And Nicole at Linus's Blanket, which is linusesblanket.com. Please subscribe to the Readerly Podcast at iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Until next time, keep reading.